Go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for this morning that we get to be together as your church. Thank you that we can come and we can think about uh, matters, tying up loose ends and thinking about some practical ways to carry out the instruction that we've uh, had over the past few months concerning preaching the gospel and doing so faithfully. We pray that you would help us to, uh, as we walk away from here, not to forget this subject, not to uh, just move on to other things, but to make it part of our lives and to make sure that we are being faithful to carry out your call to make disciples of all nations. Uh, We ask that you would give us wisdom and insight as we talk this morning. I pray for those answering questions that they might be helpful. I pray that you would help us to, uh, to be, most of all, submissive to your word in every way this morning. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, what we have this morning uh, is we have some guys who have been teaching the class on evangelism. Uh, Just to make sure everybody knows who everyone is, I think you all do, but uh, just to give you an introduction, Brian Beamer, Philip Boudreaux, Ryan Atkinson, uh, self-proclaimed evangelistic experts. Just kidding about that. They are not self-proclaimed. However, they have been teaching you about these things, and uh, they, uh, they... should be able to uh, just answer a few questions about some practicalities of, of things. And uh, so I just wanted to ask them about their, uh, how they might apply these things. And more than that, how they might give encouragement to you as you're thinking about how to apply the things that we have been talking about for the last few months. Um, so I wanted to just ask them a few questions. And uh, some of these I will just ask specific people. But uh, others, this can just be for anyone. So guys, as you think about, we'll just start with this. As you're preaching the gospel, one of the hardest things is just kind of worried about the objections that people are going to have, the objections that people will have to, to the gospel. So as you've, been, as you've tried to tell people about the gospel or as you've heard other people telling people or as others have brought things to you, what are the most common objections that you hear that you have to deal with that it might be helpful for someone to prepare for? Have you thought about that before? What kind of objections do you hear the most in your evangelistic opportunities. And that can not just be when you're directly preaching, but just any time. What are the most common objections that you hear? Anyone like to uh, Uh, to offer some? Yeah, I'll I'll start off with that um, because I was actually just doing this the other day at at work. And one of the common things I always hear is definitely say is that, well, that's what you believe. It's not what I believe. And really goes back to you believe the word of God and I don't believe the word of God. Um, And so it's, it goes from trying to continue to, you, you have that, I have a tendency to try to then prove that the word of God is the word of God, right? So then um, how we go about that is definitely different ways. But what I have to keep in mind is the word of God is truth and it is the only truth. So you stick with that. Whether they're recognizing that or seeing that or not, you still use scripture to support scripture to go and to, to minister to them. So I think that's one of the biggest things I get, especially this day is that it's, it's man-written, you go through all that, so you're just, you're just trying to go through that and show them that the Bible is the truth, because if they don't believe that, then they're not going to believe anything else that comes out of it a lot of times. Okay, so you're dealing with layers of what is the nature of Scripture, what is the, uh, what is the proper way of thinking about interpreting Scripture, right? Your, that's just your interpretation, that's just what you believe, that's just what you think, um, and kind of the underlying assumption of that is... There, is, there are multiple valid interpretations, or there are zero valid interpretations, and that's just yours, and that's just mine. So it might be helpful to try to persuade people from the scriptures to show them that that's, that's not the case. Um, 
passages that might come to mind? Anyone think of something that would be able to, uh, to respond to something like that? What passage would you go to? And this is for everyone out there. What passage would you go to? Yeah, Patrick. Hebrews 4.12. Okay. Mm-hmm. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any other passages come to mind when you think about that? How would you respond to someone that says it's just your interpretation or would try to undermine the nature of Scripture? Yeah, 2 Timothy 3, right? 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God or inspired by God. All Scripture, that is the view of, of the Bible. Uh, of course, you can also point to Jesus' words where he says the Scriptures cannot be broken, right? John 10.35 uh, when he says in Matthew 5 that the law and the prophets will all be fulfilled, not one jot or tittle. So what does Jesus say about Scripture is also a very important thing sometimes in people's mind. Um, okay, good. Do you guys uh, have anything to add to what Ryan said on that? Common objections? Yeah, I can add a little bit. So being at the, at the Oak Ridge National Lab, everyone's are scientists out there, and you know a lot of times the argument is, well, Scripture doesn't line up with science, and so since science is my authority, I judge everything else by that, and so I don't believe Scripture. Um, and so that's an objection, but I think we always need to remember that our the core message that we want to get to people is the gospel, and we can engage them with their questions, but we need to try to just make it to the gospel, make it to who God is, who man is, what Christ did, how we need to respond. And, and that's really where we need to try to get to. But other than that, as far as talking to them about Scripture, I think having some knowledge of just b- bibliology, you know, how we got God's Word that we have here, um, how, we can, how we know we can trust it and things like that, is something good to, to look into yourself so that you can help answer questions when people say, well, how can you trust the Bible? Preach the gospel. Focus on the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Brian, you have anything yeah, to add on that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say probably I don't have time to listen to it right now. Um, my background from, it depends on the method that you're using. Um, like as a, when I was pastoring the church out in Kingston when I was there, we had a faith evangelism program um, when I was a young pastor and trying to make sure we were going out into the community, knocking on doors. And, and we did that and we got a lot of, I, oh, we don't have time to listen to that right now. Um, uh, you know, maybe some other time. Maybe we have, we have, a, we have we're here. So yeah. Dude, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm saying that that's what I, that's what I would get. Oh, that was, we don't have time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> People would say we don't have time right, to listen to yeah. that right now. Yeah, yeah, we got, okay. we got an hour right now. Okay. We got an hour. Talk hey, about we're not this. that close to the um, end of this, the session. Yet. But uh, that, yes, that's what they would, that's what they would use as an excuse. I don't, I don't have time to, to listen to you right now. And so they try to push you off. And of course, uh, scripture says, behold, now is the, now is the accepted time. Today's the day of salvation. You want to bring uh, the weight of eternity uh, to mind for them uh, that as quickly as you can uh, see if you, they will continue the, the conversation with you um, without being disrespectful. Okay. Well, uh, just playing off of that, I wanted to ask, um, how would you act with someone, someone you see regularly, uh, okay, not just someone that you pass on the street or something like that, but someone you see regularly who just explicitly tells you, I don't want to hear this from you. 
I don't want to hear the Bible. I don't want to hear the gospel. I don't want to hear your Jesus stuff. What would you say to them? Would you, would you continue to preach to them? Would you look for an opportunity? How would you, how would you think about that if someone just comes out and directly tells you, I, I don't want to hear this anymore? They're basically asking you, they're basically telling you they don't want to have conversations with you anymore. It's basically what they're telling you. Because if, as a believer, it's so part of your DNA, everything you do, everything you talk about is, is going to be directly related to Christ in some way. And so I would try to help them understand that you, what, what you're asking me to do is, you know, virtually impossible. Um, because otherwise we're not going to be able to ever have conversations. So, so you'd even just let them know this is yeah. so much a part of who I am. We're not really going to be able to, to just have an ongoing relationship very much or ongoing conversations about much of anything. Yes, I've had to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of along the same veins, I, I would let them be the one that decides I'm done with this relationship rather than, than you saying that and, and us just continuing to be the believers that we should be. Um, talk about church and God and what you're reading to them and uh, not be obnoxious about it. Um, but when they ask you, how was your weekend, tell them what you did, that you went to church and then you had a potluck after and you talked to this guy about this theology and all, you know, just be truthful and, um, and don't hide it. Yeah, and I agree with that. I don't think I've ever, I think in the South, people aren't as rude as <laughs> to tell you, come out and say, I don't want to ever talk to you about this again. But when you deal with, so for instance, my family, my mom and uh, stepdad and them, they're not believers. Um, and so we let our, of course, let our lives speak, um, but we don't hold back. You know, when his family gatherings, we pray, um, we talk about it. Um, we've had a, everybody, most people know we've had a huge instance lately with my son who got hit and had a tree and, and, you know, a lot of my work people know, everybody I call on and when they ask you these questions, I mean, it's just, it's crazy that that happened. And my response has been, yeah, it's been crazy, but now my response is no, God wanted him to get hit in the head of a tree. And you just see the faces I get when I say that, right? Because it's like, why would you think God, because God had a plan. We don't know it. It may be for one person to hear his testimony through the whole thing. But it's like God hit him in the head with a tree. <laughs> and just when I went back to look at the, the way it happened, I mean, there's no other reason for that. But then that opens up. They see your faith. They, you can open up. And that, that gives them instances of a, um, a tragedy that happened that they'll they'll that'll open the door up for other things to be talking about. But I, I agree with everything. I think you continue to live your life and you continue to speak the things of God. You continue to pray. You, your life should reflect Christ, right? He's in you if you believe it. And so it should always be coming out in everything you do and you don't hold back. And if that's their choice, whether or not they want to continue that relationship or not at that point, and then they can't say that you push them away. You were just doing what is in nature of us, right? Our nature has changed. The flesh is gone. Christ has been put on. So that's how I explain it. That's good, Ron. If I could just kind of uh, spin off of that a little bit too and just ask you specifically, of course, you guys can jump in if you'd like as well. But, you know, yeah, recently you, 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 know, you guys have gone through a lot, right? Silas had the, the injury and you guys are, he's in the hospital for a number of weeks and uh, just so much went on there. But you guys were pretty diligent to make sure that people were hearing the gospel through this and were thinking about um, thinking about their state, the state of their soul before God. What would you say were the kinds of things, I mean, if you can evaluate it, what are the convictions that you had that enabled you to 
make that a focus. Well, I mean, obviously you're so concerned about your son, right? About what's going to happen, what's the outcome with him physically. But what was it that enabled you, you think, by God's grace? What are the things you believed or the, the thoughts or the ways that you made sure that, you know, how, how did, what made you think about this and do this during that time as opposed to just kind of only focusing on what was directly in front of you? Um, my wife, <laughs> she's incredible and uh, very strong and help. But it's the, because we got that question asked a lot of, of, for, of us. And I think the main thing went back to is our knowledge of the word, knowing the scriptures, knowing what it says about God, knowing his character, knowing that he deserves all the glory. No matter what happens in this world, no matter us personally, no matter you personally, he deserves the glory. And he is getting the glory out of this some way, somehow. And if you focus on the pity and what we're going through and not focus on that, then in effect, I felt like we were sinning, right? Every, anytime I had a thought that would be negative towards God, which I don't think I did, but I think that would be a sinning thing because it's he's doing this for a reason, and that put us through. And then, honestly, when Cindy started the blog, um, but we would also, the nurses saw us, right? We're praying over Silas. Um, we're quoting scripture. Uh, we're reminding him, even in the state that he was in, you have scripture in your head. Keep thinking about that. Because we don't know what state a person is when they're in a coma, right? Um, but we know that the brain's still working. So we, we focus on that. And I think doing that out loud here, and not that we were doing that on purpose, but we were just doing what we do. The nurses saw it. And it was even the first night. Um, Haley, is that right? The, the, Kendall. Uh, Kendall, one of his first nurses. Um, I didn't talk to her. Cindy spent time, and I'm sure she talked to her and, and expressed stuff, but she saw the way we reacted. And then the next night, she wasn't working, but she left a note. And it was just said, your testimony, your, what you've said, what we've seen in here, has really spoken to me. Because I've been struggling in my relationship with God, but now it's more strengthened. And, uh, and that was just touching because we didn't see her again for a few more nights. And then that just kind of reached out. So it was just knowing the, knowing the word, knowing God's character, knowing what he's done in our lives already, and that we owe him everything. And that no matter what happens in the situation, he needs to be glorified, and people need to see that. That's helpful. It reminds me of just a couple of things that I've heard from different uh, sources before. One would be in Jerry Bridges' book, Trusting God. You guys, anybody read that book out there? Uh, you should. You should definitely pick it up. Probably top five book, Christian Living, uh, that I would recommend to anybody. Right at the beginning of the book, he says the time to prepare for a trial is not when you're in the trial. It's before the trial comes, right? So doing all the things that you've talked about. Um, and then also uh, last year when Rocky Wyatt was here and he talked about utilizing these circumstances that come into our lives. You know, he spoke of his own time with his son's car accident, uh, his wife's passing a few years ago, his first wife, and uh, just how those things in the midst of that, trying to glorify and honor God in those. But it takes the, that mentality of being meditating on the scripture, knowledge of the scriptures, and just thinking about God in a certain way that he's worthy of this, regardless of what hardships we're going through. So just preparing for those things in advance for any circumstance and be able to use those, um, doing that ahead of time and, you know, uh, preparing your, your character and your soul to do that. Um, yeah. Well, I just follow, and I think when you apply that to evangelism too, you got to keep that in mind for when you're talking about people. I don't have time for this. Like we always think it's an attack on us, and it's not. It's an attack on God, right? So it's that you can't get angry, you can't get frustrated. You need to be patient and just continue to do what you're doing and let God speak through it. And that that shows your character, right? If you if you get angry or you get frustrated because they won't listen to you, you're just reflecting the world, right? You're not reflecting God's character. Obviously, God is patient, long suffering. 
We know that. He's, I mean, look what he did with Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years. Look what he's doing with us in our lives. He's very patient, and we got to be patient with those we come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, on that, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, just Brian specifically, because I know you've been in different circumstances where you have been in long-haul gospel proclamation opportunities, right, where it's not just you tell someone and then the next day they become a Christian or right there on the spot. Uh, maybe what are some of the attitudes, um, some of the temptations in the midst of something like that that you might go through that, you know, whether you're tempted to react wrongly to that or what does the scripture tell us about that? Any thoughts on how you might think through and be faithful to endure in a gospel proclamation effort, which could be weeks, months, years long? What are the guiding principles to that? Yeah, take, just to take off something Ryan just said, just don't take it. Don't take um don't take their responses personally. Um, you know, I'm sharing the gospel at Skip and Kay's table. How do we know that you're not the devil trying to deceive us? You know, that's that's that was their question back to me. Sincere question, you know, from them. It's like I could take that personally and then be all offended about it. And um, they're just there's. God's working something in their heart where they're desirous of knowing the truth and they're just concerned because they've been deceived so many times in the past by others um, who are out there proclaiming to have the truth. They've been influenced by the Mormons before. They've been influenced by Jehovah's Witnesses heavily. So, like, how, you know, how do we continue to to share the gospel without, uh, um, you know, without taking it personally? And, you know, one of the things that they would come back to is, you know, you'll know them by their fruits, um, and so they, they saw that consistent love. Uh, so I think that's another aspect of it. You just have to um, show them love and grace and kindness and patience. You have to labor along uh, with them um, over the truth. Not everybody's going to be able to um, grasp the truth that you're sharing at the same pace that someone else would. Um, that, that takes time. Uh, it takes time to process it you know when you when we think about understanding the doctrines of grace and how long sometimes that can can take i mean some of us are still working through those truths you know it takes time to to do that so i think you just uh, patience uh, love uh, kindness I don't know if that answers the question overall, but if there's, what was it, what was it again? Is there specific yeah, things? Just what kind of attitudes or principles are you thinking yeah. of it to help you to carry that out properly? Yeah. yeah not, not thinking you're going to close the deal, you know, that night, you know, you're going to get them to say the prayer right away. That's not, not necessarily the goal. Um, I would say in all evangelism, uh, even though you want that to be the end goal, um, the, the goal should be to share the truth, share truth, because you don't know where they are in the process. It could just be you're planting the seed initially. It could be that someone else has been sharing the gospel with them for years, and you come along and you're able to make it coalesce in, in a time, and then you get to actually lead them to the Lord. Um, as I had that happen, we were out at, um, knocking on doors in the, the area uh, where I was pastoring church and. Um, this, this, we came on this, this home and the, the man had been reading the Bible consistently and we were going through, uh, scripture and, and really felt like he had already placed his faith and trust in Christ, but his wife, he'd been trying to bring his wife along. Um, and so we were able to sit there and talk for about an hour and, 
um, you know, when I asked her if she wanted to, to trust in Christ, she said, yes, I'd, I'd love to. And so um, I, I led her in prayer. And uh, interestingly, I just uh, saw her uh, probably about uh, uh, two months ago. Um, and uh, there, she, she just came up to me again and thanked me for coming to her home and sharing the gospel with her. Um, but patience, time, you, you may be the one that, that gets to close the deal. You may be the one that's planting the seed. It just takes time and effort and long-suffering and continuing to do it, um, to be faithful, to, to share the truth uh, in whatever situation you're in. Thank you. You guys have anything to add on that particular question? As Brian was talking and thinking about our long-term evangelistic opportunities, if you're a parent, our, your kids are the closest and, and biggest example of that. Um, and, and you want to talk about people being able to see hypocrisy and see, you know, if you practice what you preach, it's our kids. And um, so that, that's your opportunity to, to show your fruit, right, to, to live out what you're asking them to live out. Um, and then when you, when you sin, being quick to ask for forgiveness. Um, and so I think just that, the perseverance in your own walk, you know, that in, influence on someone else who's trying to understand the gospel and who God is and who Christ is and how they should respond is key. So um, live out your faith in your, in your home. That's good. I just want to add, and then this may go along with that. I think one thing we need to keep in mind, too, is I think, when we think of evangelism, I know when I think it comes to mind first, it's knocking door to door, knocking right. It's going around or going down the mall and doing stuff like that, which that stuff's great. But like he just said, your kids, the people you're with every day, that's when your biggest mission feels right because they're going to see when you fall, they're going to see when you're hypocritical or when you're not doing that the right thing. And it's that time that you need to continue to bring up Christ in your relationship and, and to have that keep going. Not saying that doing the door to door knocking that stuff's not effective and it can be God can use every every situation but remember we're around a lot of people all day long and then we got to keep that in mind that that is our advantage don't, don't take take every opportunity you can to make sure they know your beliefs and then, and then express that back to them um, one more thing here I, I would it's got to be personal you've got to give your like uh, um, if you're it's your coworker or uh, someone you're you're it's an acquaintance Make sure they have your phone number. Make sure they have your email. Um, I, a couple weeks ago, I got a phone call from a from a guy I used to work with um, at Costco when I was there, and I would uh, share the gospel over and over again. And you know, he just reaching out to me asking a question about the Bible. Right? And it's like he he knew he knew that I would take the call, and he knew that I would talk to him. So um, make sure people know that you're willing to talk with them whenever. And wherever about about Christ, about the Scriptures, about God. Yeah, that brings up a good point, and I wanted to ask with regard to um, both opportunities and obstacles to preaching the gospel to people. You talk about going in, you know, going to people's houses, which is beneficial. What about people coming into your own life, and people coming into whether it's your own home, whether it's your schedule, whether it's your lunch hour, things like that? What are the kinds of opportunities you see that we miss because of kind of the default cultural way that or the default way that we seek to serve ourselves uh, and focus on ourselves maybe and our families as opposed to using what we have to serve other people what are the opportunities we miss and some of the attitudes that we might need to to look at and just to retrain ourselves in a way we think for the sake of evangelism 
you guys a second to think about that if you need to. Oh, well, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll begin there in a little bit. Um, so one of the things that uh, my wife and I did for a long time would be when we would we would talk to somebody, we, we had a pre-established plan that on if anybody ever wanted to have a Bible study with us, it was going to be Thursday night, and we had uh, one or two other people that we knew that if we called them and said, hey, we're going to have a Bible study because someone wants to have it with us, would you be willing to, to show up on a Thursday night? And they said, yes. So there were uh, two times where we started a Bible study because I just said, hey, we're having a Bible study at our home on Thursday night. Do you want to come? Yeah. And so I immediately called those folks. So it wasn't just my wife and I and that person, you know, just other people. And we started a Bible study through uh, the Gospel of John uh, with them. So um, just having some kind of pre-established plan to have a study or to have some kind of um, opportunity for them to... A lot of, a lot of people aren't necessarily willing to come to church on Sunday morning. They don't want to, to come and be assaulted by all those Christians on a Sunday morning. They want to they wanna come in, in to your personal home first. Or, and we have to be willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel. And I, I don't think we're inconvenienced enough, probably, in our day and age for the gospel. Um, and I think you have to plan for that. But uh, also, there's sometimes you just can't plan for it. Sometimes you're going to be out late talking to somebody, um, or it's going to inconvenience you in a way that you didn't anticipate. Um, but making sure you have the, the mind of Christ uh, in that area. Yeah, when you say that, I'm reminded of a, a wonderful, uh, I guess it's an autobiography. Some of you may have read this. It's a book called The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert by a lady named Rosaria Butterfield. Uh, some of you may have read this again. Uh, she was a professor of queer theory uh, and was did not want to go to church. And uh, there was a, a couple that she encountered. I believe he was a pastor. Uh, anyway, get get the book and learn about you know read through that. It's just a, a just a wonderful account of how someone was uh, patiently led to Christ uh, and converted through that kind of ministry that you're talking about. Someone being willing to host someone and bring them into their lives, make time for them, and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate those answers. Yeah. Anything that you would add, guys, to that? Can you repeat the question real yeah, quick? Yeah, so how would you, how would you think through uh, using the kind of opportunities? So a lot of times our schedules or other things like that are uh, a hindrance to making opportunities for evangelism. How would you turn that, the way you think about those, to think about them as opportunities and use what you have, your time, your possessions, and things like that for the sake of the gospel? I think uh, a couple things on that is one is uh, prepare yourself with prayer. Um, so I've been in situations where after an opportunity happens, like a perfect opportunity for me to talk about spiritual things, I missed just because I, I didn't have that mindset. Um, so I think daily praying for opportunity and that God would give you the, the mind to see it, the words to say, the scripture to recall, you know, all those things, ask for his help. Um, and then another thing is uh, uh, be good stewards of the things that God's given you. Um, so share what you have. Share what you have with believers and unbelievers. And, um, you know, that's both things and time. And, um, you know, we need to invest that time, as I think Brian mentioned earlier. It, it, it takes time to um, 
witness and evangelize to people and have those long-term relationships where you can talk to them. So you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to give up time doing something else to be able to uh, talk to them. So uh, we should be willing to do that. That's good. Thank you for that. Um, let me change the subject a little bit and ask you if somebody was a, this is going to be a two-part, but first part would be if somebody is a new Christian, relatively new Christian, and they want to preach the gospel. Philip, you've touched on this a little bit in, uh, uh, a few weeks ago in a class. But uh, how would you help them to preach the gospel to their friends? How would you help them to preach the gospel to people in their family and certain pitfalls and things like that to avoid as they start to do that? So maybe you can just, if you have any additional thoughts beyond what you already said or things you want to repeat. And then, guys, if you have anything that you'd like to add to that. But what kind of things would you tell them if they said, how should I be careful to evangelize faithfully? and be godly and wise as I go about this as a new believer. Um, I think I talked about this a few weeks ago, but just to reiterate, um, you can be friends with unbelievers. I think that a lot of times we think that we can't do that, um, that as believers we can only have friends who are other believers and that we should spend all our time at church. And uh, it's not true. We're, we're supposed to love our neighbor, right? That It's not love your Christian neighbor. Um, and so we need to be uh, okay with having friends that are unbelievers and also think about that properly, but just like what Greg said, is, uh, that's a gospel opportunity. Since we love them, we care about their soul and that they have an eternal soul. What's going to happen to them when they die? Uh, we, we care about that because we love them. And so our, message, our main message to them is the gospel. Um, and just yeah, living the gospel out too as you spend time with them so that they see, they see that in your life. They know that what you're preaching is real. So that's, that's what I'd say. Yeah. yeah, good. Anything you guys would add to that? I think it's not a two-fold question, two-part answer, right? So I think you have two, two sets of people, maybe more, but you have those who have been going to church, who've been studying for a while. So they have some knowledge, right? And then clicks, God opens their heart, lets them understand, and then they have tons of knowledge. And so you, you, you got to, and because I, I was kind of like this, right, and so when I'm, especially the doctors of grace and that kind of stuff, and I, what I would suggest and warn people is, in the, in the sales industry, you say, don't do a data dump, <laughs> right? So when you're going out, you don't have to tell that person everything that you've learned, every but, hard But they doctor. need to know it, right? They need to know it all. <laughs> they need to know it all. And they need and to they, know it now. And yeah, yeah, and if they don't, yeah. I mean... Because I've struggled with that for a long time. How much of the gospel do you have to know in order to be saved, right? It's, and if you go through Scripture, it's not really that much. I mean, you know your heart. But you, I would warn people of that. Just be patient. You'll have time. Don't do a data dump. Especially don't try to hit every hard doctrine there's that, there is out there that's most complicated that. And then you have those who hear it for the first time. You know, and you've seen that on the mission field where you go out and you witness to somebody. And they, it's the first time they're hearing it. And they are just excited. You don't have to worry about the data dump. You just got to worry about them You doing the correct message, right? And I think it's encouraging them to first not, you don't want to quench the spirit in a way of saying, hey, go out and tell all your friends about Jesus. You want them to do that. But you want to be able to make sure that if you're here locally that they're coming to church and that you're discipling them and you're, you're taking the time to be with them and share the, the proper steps and, and, and evangelism, right? And, but if you're on the mission field and you only had a week there, that you're pointing them back to the church, Get them into a good, solid church. Get them hooked up with a pastor or somebody in that church that can teach them the proper way to do it so they're not misleading or they're not adding to it. And they're, not, they're not making bad decisions, not because they 
want to, they want to share the gospel, but because they just don't know. Um, so I think you have kind of those twofold things. Yeah, um, I, I would say be faithful to, if you're a young believer, be faithful to share the gospel. You don't have to know everything. All you have to know is what you know. And then if you don't know a question, if they ask you a question and you don't know, just say, I don't know. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll go back and try to find the answer for you, and then I'll come back. Can we continue the conversation later? Um, you don't have to know everything. Uh, just be faithful to, to share what you do know. I mean, these are this is eternal consequences, right? And if you're, if you're a young believer and you've placed in an opportunity where you can speak truth into the truth that you know, into someone's life, do it, uh, and then say, "Can we continue this later?" Because I'll get you the answers that you need. I just don't know the answers right now. Then I'll say, "If you're a young believer, make sure that you're memorizing Scripture and that you're that you're letting the Word of Christ dwell richly within you, because that's how it's going to pour out of you um, easily and without, you know, without stumbling all over yourself." Yeah, and I think a good example. Sorry, real quick. It, it, when I was doing Timothy, studying Timothy, you know, he became a convert after his second missionary journey of, um, of Paul. Well, Paul left, and then Timothy set up a church in Lystra, right? Did he know everything? No, I mean, he didn't have the New Testament from him. He knew the scriptures, but he didn't know the New Testament, so he had to learn and grow, but he wasn't scared to start doing that, right? So he started a church, and Paul came back and then taught him more, and he grew with that. So I think you're right. Like, you don't have to know everything. You just got to be obedient and faithful. No, I was just going to say something a little different same thing that Brian said but if you're a believer you know if you became a believer yesterday you have the information to tell someone else what it takes to be a believer right because you've trusted in that information and who Christ is and what he did and you put your trust in him and so you have what you need to be able to witness so I think we can um, take some confidence in that and if I could just take that even one step further and say you don't even necessarily have to be able to articulate all that. And I, I'm just compelled by the, the sort of the innocence of the, the woman at the well. You know, I say innocence. In one sense, she was very much not innocent. But her response was to, her, you know, come and see this guy who told me everything I ever did. She didn't say, come and see this guy who's the living waters and the breath, you know, living waters will flow out of your belly. And, you know, he did this. Like, just you got to see this guy, Right. And it's the same thing. You, you got to come. You got to hear this stuff. You got to hear this Bible. And, well, what are you learning? I, oh, it was good. You, like, I can't remember. You know, you'll have to come hear it because otherwise uh, I'm not going to be able to communicate it. So you might as well come hear it. Like those are the kinds of things. Just being, uh, encouraging people to do that. Yeah. So you don't even have to be able to articulate it perfectly as well. Yeah. Um, what about this? If somebody has not done that well as a new believer, well, let me back up for a second and just kind of um, throw out an encouragement that this may seem like, well, I'm not a new believer, so what's the point of all this? Like, why do I need to know this? But hopefully, you will see, if you're aware, if you're alert, there will be people in your life who at some point become a new Christian. Whether it's you have preached the gospel to them, whether it's somebody in your family or somebody in your orbit, somebody that's attending church, and you might have the opportunity to help them to do the things that we just talked about. So that, the question is very important, even if you've been a Christian for a really long time. Um, okay, so what if somebody has messed this all up? They've become a Christian. They've been a believer for like five years now or 10 years now. Um, they've been rude to all their friends and family. Um, all they know is Christians. They've got a bad testimony at work because they've just been, un, you know, they've been hypocritical. And they're like, I want to preach the gospel, but I've just made a mess of things. 
um, what you know what do you what do you tell that person just give give up you're never going to have any success <laughs> like what what do you tell them um, encourage them to to start changing <laughs> um, uh, to ask their friends or family for forgiveness um, uh, pray um, so, so if if you're a believer there's never a time where um, you're, you're just too lost to change, right? We, we all have the Holy Spirit. Um, we have Christ who intercedes for us. We, we have what we need to, to be holy. And so start praying, be diligent to change your behavior, to, um, to repent of that sin and, and uh, work on obeying God. So that, that would be the first step. And then the next step would be reconciling with your, your friend or family member who you, you've wronged. Um, so I'd say it's a kind of two-prong two <laughs> approach there. Anything else you guys would add? No? Yeah, I had a co-worker that was a young believer at one point, and he was trying to share the gospel um, at, out of one side of his mouth, and then out of the other side of his mouth, he would uh, use foul language, he would listen to dirty jokes and retell them. Uh, he uh, he'd go out um, and he wasn't uh, well. He got on smoke breaks and smoke with them. There was really no distinct difference in his life compared to theirs. And so I told him, "Stop telling people you're a Christian until you're living." Uh, until your life represents the life of Christ, stop telling people that you're a Christian because you're defaming the name of Christ. You're not, uh, you're not proclaiming the gospel at that point. And so um, I didn't get a good response in, re in return from him. Uh, and it took a while, but I, I think he finally understood what I was saying. So um, I, it's, it's like... You know, you're hesitant to say stop sharing the gospel um, with people, uh, but if, if if you're trying to say, look at me, I'm representing Christ, and this is what your life can be like. Um, how's it different from from theirs? And so, um, uh, there's a fine line there. You got to make sure you're continuing to try to share the gospel and living the gospel all at the same time. But anyway, that's just an old nuance there. That's helpful. Thank you. Uh, let me. Uh, this one may be a, a little bit of a, a tricky one, but uh, hopefully helpful. I, I suspect there are some people here um, that maybe you've listened to all these lessons for the past few months. You said, yeah, that's great. Uh, I would like to do this. I'd like to be that kind of person. But I, I just know realistically I'm not going to be. And that's kind of the way you're thinking about it. Like, I know I should share the gospel with people. I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. I've got this information about it, but like, come on, I, I know I'm just going to keep doing the same thing as I've always done and not tell people about Christ. Okay. If someone has that kind of despairing, despondent, um, you know, throw in the towel kind of attitude, uh, how would you encourage them based on what we've learned? Um, any, any scriptures that may come to mind? How, how, would, you, how would you encourage that person? to jump out of that despair or that apathy? 
commanded. <laughs> okay, right. It is commanded, right? Go, go out and disciple, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus. I mean, so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, it's, it's, because I, I can kind of relate, right? It's, it's, it's not comfortable. It's, um, it's nerve, it's nervous, but the more you do it, the more that it becomes natural, right? And so I would say first it's command and follow his command. You know, God's, Jesus says, those who love me will follow my commands, right? How do you know you love me? You follow my commands. So follow the command by doing it. Um, and I would say, too, encourage them that you, you, don't want, you can't promise them that every time you do it, nothing's going to happen to you, right? You're not going to get rejected. You're not going to, if it's going to go full, especially if you're doing it at work settings, you may lose relationships, um, but I will say the more that I am faithful to it and I'm not in a way say, say scared to share, it's amazing how God will open up people's hearts or they'll help his mind or he just gives you the confidence to do it and then the spirit comes out and it's just like, so I was talking with a, um, an office manager the other day and I know in the past we've had conversations and she's an atheist and um, it kind of combat, combated a little bit, um, and then so I kind of backed off. And then the other day I was talking to her, and she has a four-year-old little girl, and she's like, I really want to get my girl in church. <laughs> and I, was, I mean, she probably saw my face, and I was like, what? I was, I was like, hold on. And, I, you know, it starts a whole conversation, though. I was kind of like, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here. I will be honest, but you're not a believer. You're confessed atheist. You don't believe in God. Why would you want your daughter in church? But it opened up a whole new thing. And at first I'm kind of like, I need right now is my time to just go on the attack, right, and just to preach that. But then it's like, no, I need to be gentle. I need to share with her and then encourage her to get her daughter in a good church. And then I, so then I started thinking about what churches in her area are good churches so to make sure she doesn't go to a bad one. So because if her daughter starts hearing it, she's going to bring it home, and hopefully the gospel will spread that way. But the point is, is that I didn't back, knowing that this person atheist, I didn't back away from it and have confidence in that. And I think it just takes that. The more you do it, the more you'll build up the, the confidence, the more it just becomes... I mean, it's just Christ in you that just you let him come out. But the biggest thing is it's a command. We're commanded to do it. Uh, I, w- I would say it, it's like any other area of, of sin in your life. If you're despairing, what do you do? You, you're part of a body of Christ. You seek accountability. You seek help. Um, it's no different with sharing the gospel. You, if you're despairing in regard to this particular aspect of of the Christian walk, find someone in your congregation who you know that that has a passion for it and is and is doing it, and ask them to help you. Ask, ask them to come alongside you and 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 walk this journey of evangelism with you. And I almost guarantee you, if you ask anyone here, they're going to say, "Sure, I'm I'm scared myself, but I'll do it with you." You know, um, so don't don't despair. Find a brother or sister in Christ who knows that that command is true and it needs to be lived out, and ask them to live it out with you. If there's a specific aspect of evangelism you're trying to do, whether it's with a neighbor or with a coworker, um, just or with a uh, just somebody socially that you've met. Um, Get somebody in the body of Christ to help. Yeah, I would add that we need to remember uh, that God's commands are good. And so whenever he tells us to do something, it's for our good and it's for others, other people's good. And so put your faith in that. Um, so, so when you think that, oh, man, I, 
God's asking me to do this thing. It's really hard. I don't like talking to people. What if I forget the gospel, you know, these things? Um, Remember that it's a good thing that God's asking you to do and put your faith in that, right? That it's a good thing and that he's there to help you. Um, The other thing I would say is I think we should all remember that um, progress and holiness or godliness is slow. We've all heard testimonies of people that, you know, they're like the worst of sinners. They get saved, and the next day it's, they say they're perfect. You know, they've got everything under control. Um, if that was a true conversion, it's not normal. That's not normally <laughs> how it works. You know, we have a long road of growing in holiness after we're saved, and it, it, it takes time. It's little steps by little steps, and so it's the same in this case. Um, if If we're all of a sudden convicted about, obeying God's command for evangelism, um, remember that it's normal to grow slowly in that uh, and begin by praying and that God would help you to um, have the boldness and the opportunity to do that. I like what Brian said. You know, get something with you. We think about Scripture. Paul always had people with him, right? Silas, Timothy, Barnabas, Mark. I mean, he wasn't alone. Even Jesus was not alone. He had his 12 disciples with him. So the support there is huge. And don't just push that aside. And it can't happen in every situation, but it can happen in a lot. And I think it's very helpful because I know personally there will be questions you get that I just I don't know how to answer. Then somebody with you can just has a great response to it or has an analogy that they can come up with quicker than you can. Um, so it's always great to be, to, you know, more than just one. Okay, that's good. Uh, let me turn and ask just a few questions on some specific, um, just practical suggestions when you're looking for opportunities to talk to people. It sounds, and one thing I'm picking up in particular from you, Ryan, is that it's not as if every gospel conversation you have is just, okay, oh, so you're an unbeliever? Well, let me tell you about these four things, you know, that there are a lot of different ways you come at it from. So what are some of the, the ways that you might encourage people to get into spiritual conversations and do you think there's a benefit to to doing that like do you have to hit the gospel right away or can it get there eventually I think I'm probably answering my own question that second question first but how would how would you just open up those doors to spiritual things and talking with people any uh both practical ways and then even um attitudes of you have to overcome in doing that I'll just I'll just give an example of something I heard a few weeks ago. <clears throat> so some of you probably know Sean Huff from Grace Community Church. He works out at the lab with me, and we have cubicles. And he was in the hallway, and he met a guy from Ecuador. And the first thing he said was, have you heard of Nate Saint, uh, the missionary? And he just used that as a door to be able to talk about spiritual things just because he knew he knew where the missionary was from and, and he made that connection. But he was so quick to go there. He just went directly there. And um, so, you know, just take that as one example of something you might be able to do and how you might be able to open up a conversation. I think one thing, since what Brian was talking about, the, the guy who would participate in dirty jokes and that kind of stuff. And in my line of work, you can come across that kind of, not as much now in the past, but you can come across that kind of thing. And when you don't engage, when you, you know, don't look, you turn away, that opens up conversations. Because it's, why, why are you not doing this? Why are you not, do, um, why don't you want to be a part of this? And it's like, I just, I don't be a part of that. And it, it opens up your life, it gives you that opportunity to, to start to share the gospel you want. But you, and you, like you said, you don't have to start right with, okay, 
This is why, because God is holy, and we're going to go through that stuff. You don't, you don't have to do that, but you just open up your life, because I'm a believer, and then it can open up the door that way, too. Yeah, every conversation looking for an opportunity to take it back to the truth of God's word, whether it's directly related to um, the basic four elements of the gospel or not, uh, to be able to have a, um, a biblical conversation with someone, to be able to open it up into that direction. Uh, looking, looking for those opportunities just to talk about truth, and don't assume. Um, so I'm in a different position now, where like majority of my life is now in the lives of professing believers. Um, where I'm, I'm in the church on Sunday, throughout the week I'm at a Christian school, and you have people who come into the school and I read every application for the students that come in. And so I see what parents put down about how to, you know, how would you share, how would you share the gospel with your child? And I read through these and I'm, I'm discouraged half of the time. So I'm, I'm going to say to you, don't assume that the people you come in contact with in Christian circles are true believers they, they need to hear the gospel clearly. They need to hear the truths about the gospel, um, not the um, ask Jesus into your heart because um, that's not in the scripture and you're not going to see that, but that's the most common answer you're going to hear in churchianity out there today. Um, they need to hear the, the true gospel, so um, don't shy away from it. Don't shy away from speaking truth. On that note, just on a... Uh Practical working through with someone. If you were going to, if you, if there was someone, we'll talk about um, someone who professes Christ, but maybe there just doesn't seem to be a lot to that profession. And then somebody that doesn't profess Christ. Is there a particular book and or book of the Bible that, if you had the opportunity to either give them or to read through with them, like say you could do that over lunch or something like that? Uh, is there anything in particular you think for each one of those groups? Somebody who would be a professing Christian, and then someone who has no Christian profession at all. That'd be for any of you guys. Any any books that you would recommend, particular books of the Bible John's? to point them to, or or even <laughs> other John. resources. What's that? <laughs> the book of John. That's or, John for or the, the Johns. For the non-professing yeah. believer. Yeah. First, first John yeah. for the yeah. professing believer. Okay, first John for Are you talking a, about books of the Bible too? I was thinking mm-hmm. about other ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, both in. Both yeah. in. Uh, first John, he, he I mean, yeah. he's pretty black and white. Those who say they know me and don't keep my commands are liars and the truth isn't in them. I mean, he's just like, he's going to lay it down on the line. But in the Gospel of John, it's all about presenting Christ as, as God. And yeah, I agree with you guys. Yeah. Man, what does he say at the end of the book? These things are written so that you, you may believe know. that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the Son of God. Yeah, and in First John, he says these things were written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, in First John 5, uh, thir- 11 through 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that you can know you have eternal life, right? These tests are there, yeah. yeah. Outside books, one I found is very helpful, but very uh, strikes heart, Holiness by J.C. Ryle. It's, uh, where's that Owens? I'm horrible with authors. Yeah. J.C. Ryle, yeah. J.C. Ryle, uh, If you're a believer, if you claim to be a believer but you're not living it, start reading that book. You won't get through the introduction without being convicted. And if you're not convicted, then I would say you need to hear the gospel again. <laughs> so, um, but I, I do agree with, with that. If you're not a believer, your, your responsibility is to continue to present the gospel to somebody. Once they're a believer, it's your responsibility to hold them accountable and to show them and point them in the right direction. So, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, any other resources that you find helpful to give people, work through with people? Uh, the gospel, I would say the gospel book, now Mark's that I used when I did present the gospel. If it, for a non-believer, if they'll read that, 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 was, a, that was actually a really good book. The, the one easy by Greg read. Gilbert? Yeah, yeah, yeah non Marks. It's, I mean, it's quick, easy, specific, goes through um, gospel presentation, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great little book. Yeah, the little black cover, and we have that out in the bags up front if you're for guests that come, but it's just called What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert. Uh, so that, that would be the kind of thing where it more lays out the entire gospel for someone that uh, doesn't know really much of anything about Christ, about the gospel. Um, but maybe in other places you look for things that specifically fill the holes that people have not heard. So when you talk about the book Holiness, you know, a lot of people have heard about Jesus as the Savior and maybe even would confess him as that, but they might not know what they're being saved from. So they need to know how sinful they are. Or another book that people have found helpful, I think, is like The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. Or the video series, The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul, you know, where it actually exalts God and shows us in, in light of his character. So things like that that fill in those holes in our theology that causes us to have a, a deficient view of the gospel and Christ's work. I would say, you mentioned it last week, um, but the little pamphlet on the gospel um, also that's on the table, um, just anything that can open up the, the conversation. Um, it's never wrong to give them a Bible. Have a, have a, have a stack of Bibles that you, that you have to give out, whether it's a New Testaments or, um, you know, you can get them pretty cheap. I think you mentioned that last week too. So, um, yeah, just give them a Bible. Good. Well, our, uh, our, our time is up here. Uh, so unless there's any kind of, urgent matters that we need to cover any final thoughts that people need to, to be aware of uh, I want to just thank you guys for your time and thank you for uh, teaching some of these classes uh, as we've talked about this and I uh, just want to go and we can pray and ask the Lord for grace uh, to be faithful in this task of evangelism so let's pray together God thank you for uh, these words that you have allowed us to be able to speak today thank you for this time and uh, to consider the uh, difficulties in our own heart that your grace enables us to overcome when it comes to preaching the gospel. And we pray that you'd use these things to bring clarity to our own lives. And not only that, but also to uh, to bring an alertness, uh, a readiness, an eagerness to be able to preach the gospel to other people. And may you help us to be wise in doing that. Help us to be faithful. And uh, may you even be gracious to us and help us not only bear fruit, but to see that fruit. But either way, help us to be faithful, to serve Christ, and to proclaim him faithfully. We pray that our church would be more faithfully evangelistic and all of us individually would be as a result of the things that we've learned over the last weeks. We ask all this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.